0: Hello and welcome to the next episode of Eldritch Girl which is our last author interview for this season and this is with April Jane Rowan. Hello, (laughs) it's lovely to
1: meet you. Yeah, it's great to be here. Um, Would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, um, so I'm uh, April Jane. I'm originally from the UK, but I now live in Sweden with my two partners and our triplets. And I write horror fantasy with emphasis on body horror and weird stuff.
0: Yay! <laughs> body horror and weird stuff! Yes, all the best stuff! <laughs> Um, And so you're going to read an extract of Love Lawn, which is your next novel that's coming out with Good Dog Press.
1: The part I've picked is when one of the main characters, Harry, he discovers a lake, which is uh, very suspicious. And he discovers a letter that tells him how he can see the um, fair folk that are at the lake. The day slipped by, melting like warmed butter, spreading and colouring the sky in yellow and orange before turning into dusk, before I had even realised it was happening. I'd been so lost in my mind that I'd forgotten that come nightfall I would be in a dire situation yet again, and I was not sure I could return to my hiding place beneath the bush once more. I held the stone in my hand, warming my palm with its smooth edges. Did it really show a different view of the world when looked through? The letter had suggested as much. I watched the horses grazing, softly whinnying to each other and peering over at me when I scuffled or moved slightly. The foal pranced happily, the more daring of the two, as he often came close enough for me to touch him if I had desired. Only retreating when I waved my stick at him in annoyance, and though I was ashamed to admit it, I was afraid. Despite myself, I was scared to look. With no one to judge me, no one to wound my pride and insult my damaged ego, I could just remain sitting here and not say a word. Hadn't I seen so much already? I couldn't stop the whispers in my mind, urging me to tame them despite the fear. What started as a means to get home now was a way to win back the applause, the adoration I'd lost in my accident. With such an animal, I could outrace even the fastest mare. No one could stop me and I would be sitting atop a pile of failures, boots digging into their soft, brittle soles as I reigned king. Oh, how I longed to be back upon my throne more than anything I wanted to rise again, a brilliant bastard that everyone adored. No longer pulling my mistakes around like my useless leg. If I could have such a horse, a grand stallion of the fair folk, perhaps I could even cure my leg, take away the scars and the deep aches it gave me, straighten the bones and make them strong again. The longer I sat watching them watch me, my fear was followed by the hungry, grinning, ambitious monster residing inside me. Before I could overthink it, I raised the stone to my eyes and looked through them, telling myself I would see nothing, that despite what I had already seen, it was foolish. The choked shout that ran through the clearing alerted them, their heads turning towards me. Only they were no longer the long snouts of horses, but the faces of men. They had turned from horses to monsters the foal now a naked little boy and the stallion a large broad chested nude man. They tilted their heads at the same moment, a cruel grin spreading across the man's face. Both of them looked human, but for their legs slowly turning into that of a horse, tilted back at the knee, covered in fine grey fur and ending in hooves. Their light grey skin was marked with speckles, as they had been in equine form. Long black tails hung from their backsides, and in the mass of tangled hair, pointed ears stood atop their heads, grey and oval-shaped. The little boy's hair was still plaited around his neck, tickling his belly. The man was also covered in coarse black body hair, and his grey eyes seemed on fire, shining in his angular, lined face, stubble-decorating his jaw. I noticed that they looked wet, puddles collecting round their hooves, Kelpies, the lovers of the drowned. I was unable to move, frozen in terror as they came forward. Retreating sunset made them into advancing shadows, hooves making hollow sounds as through the clearing as I gazed, fixated through the stone. Look what you found, little broken mortal, the stallion chuckled, his voice deep and cracked, vibrating through my bones. The foal neighed, clinging to his side as I struggled to my feet. I realised it must have been him pulling the corpse down into the lake, trying to prevent me from getting the satchel. It must have been them at the first night I had been here, dancing and swimming. I shoved the stone back into my pocket, knowing that I couldn't run whilst holding it to my face, but they didn't change back. I suppose there was little point now that I knew their true forms. I hobbled away, my stick sinking into the grass, my progress slow. They seemed in no hurry to catch me, staying back but following my progress. Come, broken mortal, let my arms heal you and together we can lounge at the bottom of my lates. He purred, mouth stretched into a leering grin. There's no kiss sweeter than when your mouth is full of water. There's no love deeper than your soft, yielding flesh. You'll gladly spend your last moments with me, and I will treasure you forever. Love is torturous after all. Come, mortal, lay with me in my watery bed. I shook my head mutely, walking backwards and trying not to lose my balance, my walking stick jabbing into the soft mud. The moment stretched on like a spider web connecting me to them. I took steps back, and they would advance slowly, slowly. I sensed that if I fled, they would chase just as they now only mirrored me. One terrified stumble could mean my end. Don't come any closer. I know what you are. Kelpies, water folk, and I make sure you're tracked down and shot. Do you think when people know you're here, they'll let you be? Let you exist here like some filthy mark on the carpet? These lands are full of proud farmers. They won't allow you to live, I spat. My false bravery pushing up through my ribcage, puffing me up and making grip on my stick tighten, my knuckles white. Come closer. I know what you are. He purred, face stretched in a mocking smile, full of blunt yellow teeth. A wanting mortal, no longer desired, longing for something you can barely grip in those thin, weak fingers of yours.
0: Oh, that's really yeah. I like that part.
1: Okay. <laughs> and uh, "Love Long" will be coming out at the end of August. Uh, so, if you like what you heard here, then um, you can follow me on Instagram, um, The Literary Chamber for uh, more updates and fun things about uh you know the release so what were the
0: main influences for this story i i think there's a lot of um i love all the descriptions of the horses and like because that harry is a jockey isn't he is yeah he is. yeah um, and I've, yeah it's just do you ride horses or have you? no to- i don't i
1: actually um i've never really um being that interested in horses, like as a child, I uh, horses were not my uh, go-to animal, um, cats were. So um, I had to do a lot of research into horses and the correct terminology for them. And um, I even like listened to the kind of sounds that horses made so I could make sure that they really did, you know, um, when I described them that they sounded like horses, so, <laughs> but yeah. Um, I guess the the main influence was I started researching um, fairies and the more traditional stories and how they weren't like they are portrayed now, I guess, in the main media. I know there's a lot of stories where they do draw from the traditional tales when they're very dark and sinister and menacing and they would trick people or kill people. And uh, yeah, I just just fell in love with them. And um, Kelpies in particular... I, I just love that they're meant to lure people to the water. And I guess the uh, the idea for the Earl, which is um, the stallion, just took root of this um, Kelpie that waits for people. And um, he is convinced that what he's doing is because he loves them. And he, you know.
0: <laughs> oh, God, yeah, that's so creepy. It's like so that that kind of twisted love of something that doesn't really know how to love
1: yeah it? So, and, then, and it, it just went around in my head and I was and then eventually um the um kingdom of lovelorn just um expanded from that from the idea of uh, the Earl. that's really cool
0: yeah um what's the appeal of fairy tales as a genre for you and why did you choose to use them as a mode for your this adult gothic fantasy
1: well, I, I guess like a lot of people I was raised on fairy tales, um, you know, like the Brothers Grimm and um, those classic ones and um, Hans Christiansen. And I've so I've always loved them. But as an adult, I've grown to have more of an appreciation for them when I've kind of researched why we have fairy tales and how they're kind of urban legends of the past. And they sort of were sort of mirroring what people were afraid of or what they wanted to warn you against at the time a lot like how we have stories now that are verbally passed on. And uh, one of my favorite things about them was uh, that there are so many fairy tales that have from all over the world that have very different themes, even some like pretty much exactly the same plot, but they're from countries where people couldn't have, wouldn't have been able to talk to each other to pass them on. Like um, when travel wasn't as easy and like completely different parts of the globe. And I just love the idea of people, um, people's worries and fears being so universal that they come up with exactly the same story but in different parts of the world and um, yeah I guess I kind of wanted to write something like that like my own fairy tale that could like expand and change about this hidden world within a forest and kind of draw on all those classical fairy tale elements.
0: I love that yeah it's, it's just so interesting like I love the world building and I love the idea of this forest that um People enter because they need to find things. The other character is a mother looking for her son. Yeah, maybe. in the forest. Yeah, and I love the contrast with the the two characters as well. Like she, you know, so so Harry has lost his the love of his life, which is being able to ride, and is the fame. I would say not even yeah. the riding. <laughs> like he's lost the fame, and that's what he loves, and that's what he wants to get back. And he's such a he's such a brilliantly unlikable person. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, he's such a, I guess, an anti-hero, but what's yeah, exactly. on, like, Thor? Um, and Mabel is, like, I don't know, like, Mabel starts off as quite a very embittered woman who really just wants to be a good mom, but her son reminds her of her husband who's left her, and she kind of calls him her little ghost.
1: Yeah, she's... she's... Oh. trying to be a good mum but not going about it the right way
0: no and it's quite cold and I think she knows that she's being cold and she mm. she overcompensates for that coldness in yeah mm.
1: Both, um Harry and Mabel are not in good places the the
0: no and I just yeah and I'm really excited like to see because I'm I'm sort of halfway through yeah I'm excited to see how their stories kind of intertwine and interact and and the arcs that you're taking them on which is like really cool um so I was just wondering if you could tell us a little bit more without too many spoilers about the central relationships in the novel and why you found those compelling to write about in the first place what about those uh kind of relationships do you find uh, what about them do you find interesting to explore
1: well harry was um originally was going to be just one main character which was harry and his relationship with the earl who he sort of tricks into guiding him he's uh, like in the extract i read he's um trying to find a way to control him so he can get his fame back and um he goes on a quest to find a stronger bridal, which will mean that he can order him around. Um
0: mm.
1: and uh Mabel was a, a smaller character and uh but she kind of took on a life of her own. <laughs> and then it ended up being two POVs because she she wanted she I guess she had a story she wanted to get told as well. And I love
0: uh, that the uh, characters. <laughs> yes.
1: Yeah, I love that too, When you're like, who's writing this? Like <laughs> Yeah. Um yeah and she goes into the woods to find her son and um she ends up meeting a um fairy knight called Caraway who guides her um to, to try and help her find her son Peter. And so I, I guess yeah it's, it's it's about two mortals that get lost in the wood and then they each find a guide whether they're mm-hmm. actually very good guides or not <laughs> um you know and if they were trying to trick them.
0: Yeah because you you don't know you can't trust the Fae that's like the main mm. so you know and everyone is very unreliable like you've got two very yeah. reliable narrators in both their points of view to different extents but then you also have the fact that they can't trust anyone either
1: there's a bit in it where Caraway says oh you know the thing about us not being able to lie that that's false you know yeah. So like, oh can I believe what I know about fairies because to make it even more that like you know you have no idea whether they're going to lead you somewhere good or bad but uh, they're in a situation where they just kind of have to put their trust in these the fair folk
0: yeah it's quite it's it's quite disturbed like the whole thing is quite disturbing and <laughs> I love it <laughs> and and I was so, going for, more, so. yeah it's fun I love yeah it's really interesting and um I love those kinds of interactions and the just the the questioning nature of it it makes for an interesting reading experience where you get lost as well because you as the reader don't know kind of what's what to trust or who
1: to trust yeah to and make. like what they're going to come across next and
0: yeah yeah it's it's very much it reminds me actually of like a very adult kind of Alice in Wonderland logic oh play, that's, that's cool which I like yeah very, like, uh, yeah yeah nice <laughs> <comparison>. thank you <laughs> <laughs> but oh, um, and Alice through the looking glass you know where you don't where it's just literally her wandering around finding things and you've no idea what's going to come next and it's like just this really cool journey to be on and there's lots of different kinds of what got like the the love of the earl for his drowned corpses yeah there's his,
1: his, uh, the lovers <laughs>
0: in the lake and you've got um harry and his love for fame not so and for horses to an extent but like yeah. More fame
1: <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> and not really for anybody else like not really for other people. no he's,
1: he's a very self-centered character yeah.
0: And Mabel's love, well, I guess for her 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 husband who's who's gone, that she did have, and then her love for her son, which is mm. compelling her to. but I would say also there's a guilt element in that that's compelling her to love yeah. her son as well. Very and sure. like so there's lots of different kinds of love in the story which work well with sort of you know the love kingdom, the name mm. so, um and what made you choose that as a central theme, like? Was that organic or planned? Um,
1: to some extent. I, I, I'm a big fan of showing all different kinds of love in my writing, um, not just the sweet kind. Um, yeah. And I guess with this story, I wanted to kind of show toxic love and um, not just romantic, but also between a parent and child or like a kind of toxic love obsession, like with Harry, with fame, and how that can either get changed and morphed into something more healthy or it can destroy people (laughs) so yeah I guess I was just trying to uh show like the relationships that they have Harry and the Earl is not a very good one and um the you know also with Mabel with um her depression and uh yeah I guess leave just show a different side of it it has romance in it but is it a very good romance (laughs) I guess I want to leave up to the readers to decide whether they you know how they feel about it at the end I
0: love that though I like the I do like problematic um love (laughs) as a theme (laughs) yeah (laughs) I think it's just so much there's just so much more you can do with it like there's just so much more um you uh, uh, like when you explore different kinds of relationships there's um I was just thinking about other like bit, it's very much a theme of this podcast <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like
1: <laughs> just problematic relationships <laughs> um I think it's, it's really good to show those and because love isn't just like it is in you know rom-coms yeah it, it's very like there's all different kinds of shades and it's and also you know the how love can be problematic not just between a romantic one like with friends and family and yeah i I just i find it really interesting to look into that and kind of i guess as a writer especially with this book i kind of want to just tell their stories and you know um not tell the reader whether It's, you know, um, the relationships are good or whether you're like meant to like Harry or Mabel or, you know, like you can come out at the end and hate them or think that, you know, the path they chose and how it ended up was awful for them. Or maybe you can kind of see their redemption or maybe see how their relationships going forward could, you know, be be good for them. Like, um, or whether you think they're just going to get destroyed and sink further into the the holes that they're already in at the beginning so
0: oh I like yeah that that makes me think of the ending of Jamaica Inn a bit where um, mm. um she goes off well I don't want spoil the ending of Jamaica Inn for anyone hasn't read it I mean it's a pretty old book yeah. so. but like yeah where it's like oh you're just gonna go off and this is this is not the best ending yeah
1: he like, was <laughs> like you know is kind of left like oh yeah it's probably not gonna end up well for you but you know
0: oh well <laughs> never mind <laughs> yeah and like the romantic people go oh it's a happy ever after at least she's got a
1: man yeah <laughs> <They're> like oh <laughs> <laughs> this is low standards of the time <laughs>
0: we were watching the um we were watching the uh one of the adaptations of that and there's a line where he's like oh am I just a horse thief to you it's like yeah mate (laughs) you are (laughs) literally how you were just introduced yes Yeah, yeah. I know I love that. Is that something that you've um you've written about before? Is other things that come is that is as you know that kind of uh, those sorts of relationships, does that come up a lot in your work in general or uh? um,
1: yeah, I think so. My um for my um novella Beneath a baffle is sort of deals with that same relationships, I guess, that can either be seen as good or bad depending on who's reading them, and to have that kind of unhealthy element and have people with a lot of trauma um I guess trying to find their way out of that.
0: Mm, what's that about that one? I haven't
1: <laughs> to describe my own book. I'm so bad at
0: that. Um <laughs> someone asked me to do an elevator pitch in an interview and I was just like no <laughs> yeah, I'm woefully unprepared.
1: <laughs> <You know? laughs> <laughs> um, yeah it's about a um city called Elbridge and their custom that when uh, children come of age so around teenagers they have all of their teeth pulled out in a ceremony that is somewhat like a christening oh um, my gosh <laughs> and uh they get pulled out with pliers and then they get given magical teeth uh, that they can grant wishes with what and- um, there's like a whole uh, status thing in the city that some people with more money have really amazing teeth and then the poor people just have a very basic set and um, it follows Angora who um, ends up having his ceremony, but it it instead of being full of celebration and light and you know he he ends up ruining him and he's left without any teeth at all, which yeah. in this society is basically makes you a prior and you know you, you have nowhere to go. And it's how he comes back from that. And
0: oh my god, I have to read it immediately. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just, uh, yeah, I just sat here with a hand over my mouth. (laughs) (laughs) Oh wow, that okay yeah that's amazing what, what gave you that idea
1: i can't even remember i have always been fascinated by teeth i actually have a collection of um human teeth oh wow okay um mine my brother's, my mum um she has a lot of problems with her teeth and every time she has to get one pulled out i get sent a little box with a tooth in it my, her dentist think it's very weird
0: <laughs> that's fair like my bodies are yeah. great
1: <laughs> yeah they're weird and great and when you can see something that was inside your body yeah you, see, but you have to keep it you know yeah. <laughs>
0: okay yeah I love things because that that kind of plays into the whole tooth fairy thing as well I thought a second I thought that was where it was going and then it went (laughs) (laughs) oh no I love it and that's out already isn't it yeah 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 yeah, 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 fantastic um yeah oh my god I love what what is it about body horror for you that you really enjoy writing
1: oh I think I just love I, I've always loved horror that is very like visceral and um, very gross yeah. and I just I'm just drawn to body horror and uh, bodies like betraying people or morphing or all of the gruesome details of all you know all the fluids and yeah <laughs> I just I just love it those are my favorite scenes to write when I'm like oh yes I got a really gross scene coming up perfect. <laughs>
0: yes yeah um i was just thinking of like all the like the Cronenberg films and like yeah yeah do you have a favorite like body horror type film that something that kind of got you into it officially or a book that you went oh yeah I, I want to do that <laughs> I want to write that um
1: One film I I used to watch a lot as a um, teenager is uh, it's called Dumplings and it's more subtle body horror and it's it's not very um, explosive like gross gore (laughs) but um, it's about a woman that wants to keep her youth so there's this um, other woman that basically uses fetuses to make dumplings and then you eat them and it keeps you young but then it starts to change her body because she's eating you know baby oh. and I watched that a lot as a teenager that was one of my favorite films oh wow okay and um Angela Carter is one of my uh, favorite um authors and her uh, The Bloody Chamber is probably my favorite book with all of the strange fairy tale-esque body horror of people morphing and like with the werewolves and the Earl King and all
0: of that. I like those stories. I've got that. And uh, yeah, I just I find Angela Carter's whole style is very, I don't know, not whimsical, but like it's told in that kind of a way. Those short stories have got this really yeah. like that kind of fairy tale feel to them. And I really liked, yeah, I really like that collection.
1: Mm. He's a big inspiration for my writing. Um, yeah, I was. Yeah, yeah okay. I
0: can see that. I can see that in Lovelorn a little bit.
1: Yeah, and, I, yeah. I like very, very descriptive prose. And I think mean, that's also why I like writing body horror, because I can just really go into the descriptions. I had to, um, I, I'm not sure. *Love um, Lovelorn needs, still needs some editing with my editor. And when I was querying it, I cut a few bits out that were very graphic. And I was like, I'm not sure. I... Um, agent is going to like this scene so maybe I'll just trim it down a bit so it's less gross and I'm like <laughs> oh maybe I should just put it back in now
0: <laughs> I think there's definitely like um, extreme horror and splatterpunk and that, all of that kind of stuff is um, very much big genre thing now like I yeah I've, I've seen that so more so online yeah and I think Actually, quite, I knew
1: of before but recently I've seen a lot of books published under it which is uh really yeah. interesting
0: Uh, It's quite interesting because I wrote, um, I didn't think I wrote horror or. or... (laughs) I felt the same when I was writing. This is just like, it's a bit, you know, stuff happens, but I wouldn't wouldn't call it horror.
1: (laughs) I was exactly the same. I was like, oh, it's just dark fantasy, right? And then I was, other people reading, it was like, oh, it's horror. I was like, really? Oh, I guess my bar for what is horror is just.
0: Yeah and I think that's interesting because horror is such a massive genre and it's so subjective you know because what scares you is not going to scare somebody else mm. and so if you're writing something that you personally find quite comforting to write or quite cathartic to write or interesting, yeah. fun to write you're not necessarily going to think of it as oh this is a horror story because you're not setting out to scare anyone you're just setting out to yeah. have a time right so like... <laughs>
1: I yeah. try and um now look at it through the eyes of my mum who does not like horror in any um media and um when I first started getting into horror um especially films I would say oh let's watch this film together mum it's not that gross and then I would see it and I'd be like oh my god there's so much blood in this and she like because I wouldn't notice it yeah and now when I write I'm like it was like I she started reading my work um and she was like oh very scary there's a lot of gross stuff in it and I'd be like oh okay so when I write now it's like look it would my mum think this was horror <laughs> 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 because I have a higher tolerance for stuff now <laughs> people
0: saying like um you know they, they they didn't they hadn't read any body horror before until they read the crows and I was like really <laughs> that sounds fake yeah <laughs> so it's reads stuff like this
1: it's <laughs> so right, like right. It can be so subtle, but it's still, you know, it's, it's such a spectrum that there are some where it's really graphic and then there's others where it's more like a kind of subtle change or unsettling. So I think a lot of people are watch things with body horror without realising that's what it is.
0: Yeah, I, yeah, because I, I, there's stuff like, yeah, there's stuff that you would put in as, as obvious body horror, like The Fly. Yeah. Or um i guess john carpenter's the thing like that's that's kind of obvious with like things erupting everywhere
1: (laughs) (laughs) the the thing is one of um my partner's name's uh favorite films i've watched that film so much whenever we're like what should we watch like the thing
0: (laughs) but other stuff as you say like it can be really subtle
1: Hmm. I think the more subtle stuff is kind of more eerie feeling or d- draws on trauma, like her body and other parties. Oh, I don't
0: know I read that. that
1: book by. Oh, I'm go- gonna really badly say her name, Cameron um, Machado. I think it is. Okay. Um, it's like a short story collection, and it deals a lot with women's um bodies and body horror and that kind of thing. Oh, cool. Think, okay. Yeah, and it's it's more like it's subtle. It's but it is creepy, eerie body horror.
0: Oh, I like that as well, that kind of uncanny, you know, thing. Yeah. It's, I, what really freaks me out is actually that kind of subtle horror where, you know, there's you don't recognise parts of your own body. Mm, yeah. The, the idea of your body not being recognisable to you, mm. just that whole idea of it just really... And quite,
1: yeah, and kind of being like, me. is it really happening or is it in the mind or is it actually the body and yeah
0: yeah and everything gets very blurred and you don't it's that I think for me it's that kind of loss of control mm. um not just over your body but like within your own mind where there's that recognition that kind of the unreality of it because I get moments of unreality anyway so I find like anything that that touches on that is very like or. No, I don't like that, you mm. know. And that's very subtle horror. That's not blood and brains all over the place or like, you know, zombies or anything, um, which I also don't like. But, um, <laughs> you know, and, and so, yeah, there's there's degrees of it. And I sometimes yeah. think like the more subtle kind is is actually worse in many ways. Yeah, I
1: think so too. It's, it's more kind of sneaking kind.
0: Yeah. Uh, what are you planning on tackling in your future
1: work? Um, well, I have a story that needs editing, okay. but that's my least favourite part. Um, I have dyslexia, so it takes me a lot of rounds of edits to get it readable for other people. Yeah. So I've been kind of putting it off a little bit. <laughs> um, and I'm also thinking have a new story going around in my head, which is um, very body horror. It's about... Uh, have, have you watched the film? Um, I think it's called The Stuff, where everyone starts eating this like yogurt and then it makes them go crazy oh
0: god no no no
1: it's it's really good um so it's kind of inspired by that with um this new uh fruit is discovered but it's, it makes people morph into these creatures mm. and this uh woman who's dealing with um pre and postnatal depression okay. um after having a child is uh kind of thrust into this very changed world after she comes out of hospital so I'm, I'm toying with that idea it's a postnatal depression is something that I've uh, suffered with so it's quite a heavy topic for me and I kind of want to write something about it to kind of bring awareness to it but also I have to be in a good place and good enough place where I can write about it so so it's kind of going around in my head this idea at the moment and I think maybe I'm at a place where I could start writing it now.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I I find that as well. It's like writing is a really good cathartic way of, Mm. but as you say, like, if you want to write it and tackle it in any kind of way, you do have to have that distancing, don't you?
1: Yeah. So it's not so raw. Yeah.
0: Yeah it's yeah especially if other people are going to read it and it's going to be like a judge you know product that people are going to judge mm,
1: yeah definitely
0: on, and you just have to be in that position where you don't mind if people take away different things yeah or <laughs> yeah yeah no that's it's I, I, it's
1: I tried writing it before but it was it was too fresh so sure I think I you know maybe now is the time
0: what's next for Girt Dog Press as well because that's um, a press that you run with your partner
1: yeah Um, Yeah, so I run uh, Great Dog Press with my partners, Lynn and um, Nem, and uh, it exclusively focuses on LGBT um, speculative fiction, cross-fantasy, horror, sci-fi, but we kind of wanted to make a publisher that didn't focus just on romance stories, so it doesn't have to have any type of romance in it. Or it can do too, but it was more to just focus on different kinds of stories, not just coming out or romances we have our first anthology is coming out at the end of the year called uh tales from the hinterland which is inspired by folklore and we also in july we have our open submissions for next year for uh, novels and novellas which is very exciting so uh yeah this will be our third year of um publishing books and we're really excited to see what stories we get submitted and um plan 2022 and what we're gonna bring out there
0: so exciting time yeah looking forward to the anthology it be great
1: yeah it would be very fun to work on an anthology
0: yeah. So, yeah oh yeah really looking forward to seeing what um what's going out and I I really like the catalogue as well I'm like just going out oh I want that one and that one. And oh, that one. thank you yeah
1: yeah, no, yeah trying to pick very different stories from different genres to kind of yeah it.
0: yeah it's it's lovely as well that like it's just um people's identities are incidental to the story as yeah. well as being integral to the character because it's who you are but also it's not the focus and I love that I think that's that's just a yeah, uh, was... good representation of, of a variety of things it's really fun
1: yeah we found there was quite a lack in um other some other indie presses and, and also mainstream ones where with that kind of where it's just incidental and it's you know um uh, nem had published um his stories before yeah and uh he always um felt like he didn't really fit in because he he does um romance but also with a lot of horror so it's kind of like a genre bending one and horromance
0: uh, isn't it that's a horromance yeah. is a yeah <laughs> an up-and-coming genre mashup I think
1: <laughs> so he didn't feel like he fitted with um the other just romances so yeah he started had the idea for goat dog from that and yeah we just want to make it a space for just queer writers or to queer stories that can go on you know I love any it way.
0: Nick's publishing do, does something similar as well mm. in terms of queer identities and, and sort of it's yeah but there's so there's so few publishers where you can actually find those sorts of stories and that kind of representation and I yeah I just love especially it thank horror. you very much guys <laughs> for... yeah especially for horror and for for dark fantasy and Yes, it's been really lovely to have you and Of course I had um Elby on. Yes. Um, that's my very really? first author interview um with my lord, which was published with you guys. And yes,
1: um, it is. oh I love my lord. That's one of my personal favorites for Mara.
0: Yeah, so yeah, just plugging that one
1: again. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you should definitely read that one. It is amazing. <laughs> Um, Along with uh, Good Dog Press, we also um, as a family have another company, Be Proud PR, which is predominantly run by my uh, partner Lynn and it focuses on promoting um, LGBT stories and authors. So if there are any authors listening and they would like um, to have their books promoted, you can uh, check us out for that because Lynn does an amazing job with book tours.
0: Um, well, that's all we've got time for. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Oh, lovely great. to chat to you. If you're enjoying the podcast um, and you don't want to buy the books, that's fine. Um, if you'd like to support me on Ko fi, though, and just drop a tip in the jar, you can do that instead. And that's uh, www.ko so fi.com forward slash cmrosens. It would be much appreciated.